going on with Espanyol. Their owner, Shen Yansheng, took over in 2016, promising Champions League football over the coming years. I mean, how many times have we heard that one before? Last season, under Ruby, with Borja Iglesias scoring plenty of goals, they managed to finish 7th at the death, got into the Europa League. But next season, a year after they were supposedly going to be in the Champions League, if you hark back to 2016, they'll be playing in Segunda. From match days 1 to 8, David Diego was in charge, promoted from B-team role. Match days 9 to 18, Pablo Machin, a well-known face, comes in, doesn't get the job done. Abelardo then comes in, and most recently, their sporting director, Rafete, stepped down from his sporting director role to get into the dugout. What has happened this season, David? What started all of this, and how's it all gone so wrong for Espanyol? I think it all started with uh, bringing in Gallego. Um, and not him personally. Um, you know, he, he's not a problem as such. It was the message that I think it sent out. You know, Espanyol finally achieved Europa League qualification. Ruby had done fantastically, uh, you know, to, 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 really, to really build them together. Diego, you know, I, I can see what they went for. They, they went for somebody who was in-house and to play a more... You know, Ruby's football has been successful, but it has its criticisms in that it's not expansive enough, it's not attacking enough, it's not particularly pretty to watch. They went with Diego, somebody who they thought could bring back in a bit of possession football, make them more easier on the eye. But ultimately, I think it was a cheap decision. Um, he didn't cost anything to, to bring in, to, to hire. There were other coaches on the market I think they could have brought in to be more ambitious with. They didn't bother going down that road. Um, so I think it kind of began there with this view to a cheap project. They, they, they sold players as well. Don't forget, you know, Borja Inglésias went, for instance... Um, he was just one player who went and and Hermoso also went and, and they brought in these cheap, not as good replacements. And in some cases, I don't think they were even replaced at all. You know, that you sell Borja Iglesias and then you replace, you know, who's a who has been a 20 goal a season man, obviously, up until he's joined Real Betis, who have got their own problems. But and then they replaced him with somebody like Cayeri, who, who's never hit there in his life and who is a very who I do like, but he's not going to grab you 20, 25 goals a season. So it was just decisions like this um, that that really, really, you know, left you scratching your head, and it went gradually from from bad to worse. But but since since Chen came in, I think it was November fifteenth, uh, and then I think it was in twenty fifteen, and then it was about January twenty sixteen. It was all signed off. He's had six coaches, he's had four sporting directors, and he's had various um, director generals of whatever that job entails. So you get a picture here of of a lack of continuity and, and, a, and a project that is completely misshapen and is, keeps going different directions. I mean, how much blame lies with the players themselves? I mean, when you look at the fact that there's yeah. been several coaches this season, you look at Pablo Machin, and obviously he's had great results at Girona, you know, not, not so great at Sevilla. You look at Abelada, he's done really well at Sporting. Um, he did very well at Alaves. These are coaches which have commanded respect in the past, They've had, you know, the the opportunity to work with maybe not the most lavish resources, but they've still managed to get their system to work. I mean, you look at the fact, obviously, it's it's not great to not have the time to to instill what you want in a squad, but mm-hmm. you know, there's not really been a time where you think, right, this squad has reacted to this new man. Yeah, absolutely. I think the Abelardo case was was interesting because he's somebody who extracts extracts that extra, you know, 10, 20, 30 percent out of a player. And he, he makes a, an average player seem like you know a world beater. He's just got that attitude about him when players respond to him. 
Now, there was I think he really, really called out the Espanol players because he'd made, he'd, he'd made some serious progress with them and they were starting to look like they were up for the fight. You bring Abelardo in for two reasons. Yes, he, he, he makes you a little more solid at the back, tougher to beat, tougher to break down. And he also revives the dressing room. He, he is, you know, he focuses on that passion. He, he focuses on that, you know, mental aspect massively. I think he lifts players superbly. He puts an arm around you, but he also gives you a kick up the arse. And it was when he called out the Espanol players and he, and he did give them a public, you know, kick up the arse. That's when things kind of went bad. And it seemed that the players went running to Rafete, who is now in charge and, and basically, you know, who was sporting director at the time. And said, "Oh, look, we're not happy about this." But that's what they needed. They were—they were—they'd been poor all season, and, and these are players who were, had cost a lot of money as well. Who were earning decent money, um, you, you know, the, the season before they qualify for Europe, but they just decided not to, you know, to turn up. And Espanol, and oh, sorry, Abelardo called that out. He wasn't happy about it, and and that's when Rafetti came down, and that was the end of Abelardo. And I think that just goes to show that you know, player power was there, and you've got to remember. And I think it almost underlines really. If, how much of a mess this Espanol situation is. The man that had put together this bad squad, this this cheap project, is the one who is now in charge in Rafetti. And it's just unbelievable. And, and, and he's probably going to take them down. And I think it's rightly so that he takes them down. And, it, he, you know, and it's, you know, he, he's the one who's going down with that ship, shall we say. And he should be. And, and with him should go his job as well. And I think he's been a, a massive, massive problem. I think if you look at it, it's probably his Chen. And, and the Rafete who are, who are most responsible for this and then the players I think the coaches come secondary I mean when you look at Espanyol's squad on paper which is obviously a very mm. nice thing to do and leagues aren't decided on it there's a lot of quality you know they did get rid of some big players as you've mentioned Hermoso was so important for them Iglesias' goals were obviously massive in, in finishing where they did last season but you still look at that team and you still think you know there's a spine to it that's got experience there's a spine to it that knows the league um, they've got technical players that are capable of playing a certain way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Espanyol, they're well known for sort of bringing through the odd extremely talented player. I mean, they, they've got, they've always sort of got a contingent that are involved in, in, in Spain's national youth sides. Yet, could this almost be a positive that they are going to go down and get a chance to rebuild and they've got young players that they can trust for the long-term future? Or is it just a case that as long as this ownership's involved and they keep jumping between sporting directors that don't deliver, it will be hard to ever make that sort of you know, long-term progress and bounce back. Yeah, absolutely. I think there needs to be a strong project there in place at, at any club, and especially a club like Espanyol. They haven't got a lot of money, but they've got, a fan, they've got some fantastic resources in terms of the academy that they have got. Number one, they have got an unbelievable academy. And they can also still attract players as well. Barcelona is a beautiful city to play your football. You don't have to be over the other side of the city and playing alongside Leo Messi. You can have a nice career in Espanyol. It's a good platform club, I think. You know, you perform well, then you can get a bigger move somewhere else. Um, and this is a this is a good squad on paper. But for, and then for me, I'd say this is the best squad to be relegated from La Liga since that um, Villarreal team went down in, in 2012. And, you, you know, they had the likes of Masaki or Marchena and Ilmar. Uh, De Guzman, um, Borja Valero, Bruno, you know, that, that was an unbelievable um, squad. And, you know, I think um, in terms of talent, and I don't think the Espanyol squad is quite as good at that level, but there's still some fine players there. There's some players who have been really, really good at one stage or another, you know. Dada, Roca, um, you know, they've got Diego Lopez in goal. I know he's 38 as well, but, you know, they've got different players 
like this who are decent and like like I say Cagliari's decent they've got young players about there as well you know you know this is a nice squad they've got Wule as well and the list goes on they've just got so many interesting players and, and they will get snapped up but their attitude when they do go to a new club has to change and if they stay at Espanyol it most certainly has to change and Everything comes down from the top, though. I think there needs to be signs that there's going to be a set project that builds around the academy. I know that's what every Espanol fan wants. They want to see an Espanol that is, you know, very much has that group of youth players there. Um, and I imagine three or four of them will be the spine of the the club next season. I mean, looking at players that could leave, whether it's on the end of sort yeah. of loan deals, whether it's on freeze, etc. I mean, Diego Lopez, he's still. Um, he could go on a free. Uh, Bernardo's loan will be coming to an end. You've got the likes of Naldo, Diakvia, um, Corcia, Javi Lopez, Itaraspe, uh, Wule, Caleri, uh, Facundo Ferreira, if you can even remember who he is at this point, um, Campuzano. There, there, there are a lot of players. There's going to be potentially a huge amount of churn in this squad. And, you know, it, yeah. it remains to be seen how that sort of translates to getting any kind of momentum together to come straight back up at the first time of asking. Um, which sort of young players do you think, well, for one, they'll be confident that they can maybe keep hold of and promise minutes to and, you know, almost promote staying at Espanyol as a chance to build that platform to get another move and kind of point to players like Hermoso and, and say, look, you could be playing, you know, you could be playing your football at Atletico Madrid if you have one good yeah. season. Um, which, which sort of young players, maybe who haven't had as much of a look in this season, or have been on the fringes for whatever reason that may be, should we be looking out for in Segunda? Yeah, I think they've got a few. I think they've probably got a core of four or five players. I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at Melendo. I think next the, the, the project next season should be spearheaded by, I think, three players particularly. And that would be Melendo, um, Pedrosa, and uh, young Nico um, Melamed, who has just come through as well. And then you've also got Campuzano and, and Paul Lozano as well. Uh, Victor Gomez, um, you know all young players. So there's, for me, the foundation of your project, and that's what you should be starting with. Most clubs haven't got that when they go down. When they've gone down, they've got you know a load of loan players that are ending, and then the squad starts to diminish. But no, they've got these. They've got a group of five or six young players now. Yes, Dada is probably going to be sold. He's going to move on, and and Mark Rock is probably the most saleable asset in the whole squad. I'd say. Um, he'd still garner a lot of interest, I think, from Europe. I mean, he should get a really, really good move um, and, and do really well because I think he's the best player. I think he's the best footballer in the squad, along with Melendo, actually. Um, so he'll get a move. But next season, you know, I'd be looking at Melendo and Pedrosa, especially as, you know, as being captains next season almost and, and, and really, really coming through. And it's mad to me that after the breakthrough that he made, Pedrosa only play, has only played 11, started 11 times. And, Melendo as well, who again, who I think on with Rocker is the best footballer on the squad, has only started ten times as well, which is just it's just bizarre to me. I was I was shocked when I was just double checking and just doing a bit of research today for this, and and I just couldn't believe it. And it's and that's what's gone wrong. That's just bad planning. And and when you've got somebody else in over him who's maybe thirty or twenty nine alone signing, and you're gonna you're gonna risk losing one of your best young players again. And 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 they've done this before as well, you know. The young players have gone elsewhere who have left Espanyol, and it's just the nature of them. And they need to get a strong project together built around that academy. Primarily, first job, absolutely, is is doing that. You've said that obviously Espanyol fans, as many fans of clubs usually are, that they're keen for, you know, that homegrown spine, that base to to build from. If you're a fan of another club, 
which which players from this squad who almost look too good to go down do you think yeah. your club should be interested in? I mean, you've mentioned Mark Rocker. He was close to a move yeah. last summer. You know, there was sort of that 40 million euro mark uh, Bayern Munich mentioned. And while this season hasn't been great, you know, he's still on course to have a really, really good career. Um, but w- what are some other players that, you know, could really move for reasonable prices for clubs that are sniffing around and looking to bolster their squads this summer? Yeah, I mean, definitely uh, Rogger, like we said. So he's an absolute given. I think everybody else, I think we're looking at Dada. He's 26 years old. Um, I think he's an excellent, excellent player. He's had a bad, bad season. I think his attitude, his motivation levels have been all wrong. Um, so I think he's going to be a pickup for somebody. You can just see him maybe going to a mid-level, you know, Premier League or Bundesliga club and just carving out a really, really decent little season for himself there. I think Matty Vargas, you know, they're probably going to end up getting rid of him as well. He's 23 again, another decent saleable asset that got there potentially. So, so and, and obviously Raul de Tomas as well, who they bought for big money. Yeah, maybe Adrian Barber, they, but don't forget, they paid 10 and 11 million for, for M. Barber as well. I know he's 28, but you know, he's somebody that somebody could, uh, you know, that a team could, uh, could pick up. But yeah, de Tomas and, and Dada, the other two main ones. And you'd be looking there maybe for 30, 40 million, I think, maybe if you're ambitious. But that's who's going to bring the money in. Dada, Da Tomas, and, and uh, Mark Rocco is going to should bring in all that money for them to the, that they can maybe rebuild with and, and offset the losses. What would be about 80, 80 million, 70, 80 million from going down? I mean, if if you're a head of recruitment or a scout for you know another European club, you probably looked uh, skeptically at the fact that Raul de Tomas moved for so much money to Espanyol obviously they needed to just pay the money at the time to have a chance of, of fighting mm. their way out get some goals after Iglesias had left and they hadn't properly replaced him but I mean if you're looking back through the footage what is the reason for you know why de Tomas hasn't actually managed to do what they've paid him the money to do which is come in score enough goals and you know get them out of trouble because um, obviously before leaving and going to Benfica he was expected to probably go to the Portuguese league and do very well it hasn't really worked out he's come back to La Liga where he'd proven himself on and off you know and in Segunda you know he'd proven himself that he could score goals at that level and it hasn't quite worked out I mean what were the sort Mm. of deficiencies at this Espanyol project for why you know last season under Ruby they could get a lot of goals out of a striker who isn't managing to do so now at Betis and now they just didn't get the performances that they probably wanted um, from a player who, as we've said before, you know he's got a record of scoring goals in Spain. Yeah, I think that they've not had a proper, true link between midfield and attack. If you look, um, I was looking at their action zones this season. They've spent twenty nine percent of the time in their own third and forty five percent in the middle third. The one he spent twenty six percent of the time in the opposition third. That tells me that's a club that has a re- that, that's a team that has a real problem finding a, a final ball, a through ball. And I'm not too sure, you know, you look at that squad and there's different talented players, but Rocker and Dada aren't players to finish moves. They're not going to be threading final passes through. They, there's not really an attacking midfielder there, I don't think. And Melendo, for me, is that player, but he hasn't played enough. Um, so that's probably why, you know, you can have Raldo Tomas and I tell you what, he's amazing at feeding off scraps and so is Kayeri as well. And he can go out in the channels and you can bully people if crosses come in or if high balls are picked up. But, They've not really had that flair, that, that that somebody who can who can find those final assists. And and Barber's got four assists, and then Cagliari's got three. Vargas has got three as well. That's just poor. They need somebody supplying maybe eight or nine by now. You'd think an attacking midfielder, but they've just not had that type of player. Rocker isn't it? Dada isn't it? 
Melendo is it, but hasn't played. And and I think that's been the main problem. They they played on the they tried to play different styles. Like I say, I think they went for possession with under Gallego, and then they tried to go back to the Ruby way with Machine and Abelardo in a sense, and just try and play on the counter attack with with lots of speed. They don't really have a lot, what I call a lot of speed. If you look at Abelardo's team and Machine's team when he was in Girona and uh, Alaves respectively. They had a lot of pace on the break. They could rapidly break and, and and really, really do you. And they had the right players. I don't think Espanyol's got those type of players. It's been very meddling and, and and just in the final, just sorry, just in the middle of the pitch, not really going anywhere, going side to side. And and I think that's been a big problem um, to answer your question. So after multiple managers, a lot of money spent desperately in January and with a squad that's probably almost too good to go down when we look at it on paper, Espanyol find themselves going down to Segunda and there's a lot of work ahead this summer. Thank you for listening to the most recent episode of Talking La Liga. Follow us on SoundCloud and on Twitter at Talking La Liga and let us know which young players you want us to cover next from the game in Spain.